about hybrids? Do they exist? Do not be deceived. There are tares sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse. Ooh, let's go. Welcome back to another dad cast. I'm your host, Timon. With my dad, your favorite podcast, your favorite uh, underground podcast. <laughs> All right, let's do the. Oh yeah, let's okay. do let's do the start here. You ready? Ready. Oh yeah, that sweet sound of Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales popping right over. Mine is orange cream cider. Hmm. That sounds good. good. Yeah, had that a couple times after church. It's good. Nice. Yeah. Ooh, this is a little... It's tart. You like your sours, Dad. I do. You're a big You're a big fan of the kind of little, little tart, bitter... Not bitter, but tart. Sweet and tart. Yep. Uh, like a warhead <laughs> in a beer. Sweet, tart, and packs a punch, you know? We didn't have sour stuff when we were growing up. It was, it was all sweet. You're really, sweet yep. and just beer. Well, I didn't have beer as a kid, but yeah. Oh, you didn't have sour stuff? No, I, I don't remember any sour kind of stuff. No candy? No sour candy? No, it was all s- sweet. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's really weird. It's a new new thing. A new phenomenon. Well, welcome back. It's been about six years. Yes. Um, you texted me, hey, we need to do another dad cast. I said, we have to call it dad's cast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm a dad. Because we're dad. both dads. Yep. Made it. Yeah. Made it to the club. Yeah, I see how you are. You have a baby and then you ignore me. Yeah. I mean, I got priorities. But that's okay. It's my granddaughter, so I'm all right with that. <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to podcast about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. She's, we got the baby she's monitor on. It's taken a long time. Sleeping. My fingers are crossed over here. Yeah. I hope she's sleeping. Yep. Well, welcome to the, welcome to my world. Uh, What's up, man? Anything new? Got big stuff to talk about? Yep. You, a lot of people have been saying, hey, got to listen to this next dad, dad cast. And uh, here we are. And um, also, I've been not studying stuff. There's other things that I've got. You've been working been on? working on, but I stopped because I'm doing an eight-week course on parenting. So that's taken a lot of time. Eight, eight different lessons. Wow. So Yeah. That was asked by me. Yeah, you. Other people were asking too. Really, and I was like, "No, nah, I just want to study the Bible." And I was, the Lord's like, "You need to do this." Yeah. Like, oh, okay. For the next generation. <laughs> uh, how's that okay. coming along? Are you getting pretty close? I've got all eight weeks. Okay. Are you just refining it, or is it yeah. pretty much polished? Yeah. When we were baby, babysitting this week, when you, you and Allison went out, uh, I would I read the first three lessons to mom, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh, Oh, this sentence. Oh, this is incomplete. Oh, this is wrong. Yeah. So that really. So I'm edit. I need to edit. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Are we going to record it? Probably. Um. Some of them. Maybe yeah. I. There's one week that I. I feel like can't be recorded. You have to talk to me face to face. Okay. 
have to be part uh, of the I class. Just, yeah, I'm just. But we'll give you yeah. contact info out. People can chat if they want that. If they listen to the first eight and then. Yeah. The, first seven. Yeah. Kyle asked me if I wanted to um, advertise the parenting class. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's where I I'm think at what's right going to happen is you're going to do it one time and there's going to be a lot more people you think that, so? that are going to want it and you're going to have to teach it again. You know what I mean? Which I don't think is bad. I think there might not. I mean, there's going to be it's seasons. You know? Yeah. You got spring season. You're planting seeds. <laughs> you have to do that once a year. You have to teach eight weeks. You have uh, to teach that what are you, a gardener? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're not doing the yeah. podcast yep. in the garden. It's way too dark out. But. Yep. All, All right, man. You ready? Yeah. Let's do what you uh, give us a prep. What's going on here? Tell me what's going to happen What's we are going to weave so many things together. You're going to have to ask questions, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you read certain things. Okay, okay. Uh, but we're going to talk about how Jesus and Peter relate to the Book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. So, can I can I preface one thing? Yes, before you can. This? Um, we did say that the baby is asleep, but there could be a chance. Middle of this podcast, my dad and I are the only one watching. Yeah, Allison's out with the girls Allison's watching party. the movie. Yep. So if it does sound choppy at some points, there's a good chance we paused and dealt with whatever situation it was. <laughs> the baby back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then get back down. So yeah. sorry, listeners in advance. I just just thought, okay, all right. Yep. You're Let's good. talk about Jonah. Okay. There you go. Oh, and I need to send this to you so you can upload it so people okay. can have the no, notes. Yeah. Sorry, Tammy. Aunt Tammy, she messaged me about two months ago for notes, and I've not sent them to her. What? I know. I didn't see the message until like last week, too. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, sorry, Aunt Tammy. Okay, okay. I will send them sometime. I promise. I just had a baby, and I'm not really. <laughs> I got you. Okay. All right. All right. Talk to me. Uh, the gates of the deep. Jesus says many curious things in Matthew 16. Here is some background from one of my sermons last year on Luke. 16 that correlates with Matthew and I'll let you read that okay. section there. Golly. Okay. Can you, can you do it? Yeah. Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. This portion of Luke occurs just months before the cross, just weeks before this, he challenged the fallen Rome at the gates of Hades, not hell at Caesarea Philippi at the Mount of, uh, at the foot of Mount Hermon at the temple of Pan, built over a cave entrance which held the pool of water fed by an unfathomable fountain of the deep, which pagans believed led down to the gates of the realm of the dead. This is where Jesus said that the gates of Hades would not prevail against his church. He then traveled up Mount Hermon, the place of, uh, the place of Genesis 6 rebellion, where the fallen watchers attempted to usurp the dominion of the earth of the, from the sons of, and daughters of Adam. So Jesus travels up Mount Hermon where watchers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Jesus was transfigured into blinding being of light. This explosion of light pierced through the first, second, and third heaven. It was a victory beacon to the religious angelic realm. Right, and, righteous angelic. Oh, I'm sorry. This was a... <laughs> sorry. This was a victory be- beacon to the righteous angelic realm and a rebuke to the fallen realm that they will surely lose the war that they had started. They will not inherit the earth. Because Jesus, the perfect and all-powerful man-God, or Adam God, <laughs> David God, right, had secured his position as the rightful heir over the earth, and we will rule and reign with him. Cool. 
That's a big chunk, man. That's a big chunk. Is it, do I have to read more of those? Nope. Uh, yeah, you'll, there's another one coming at the Are bottom. Are they as here. big or? Not, you'll see right at the bottom, there's a small one. <laughs> okay. That, but after that, it's just a little bit. Okay, so. Go for it. Okay, so. Um, giving you the background and giving you the geography, they're at, in Matthew 16, they're at the Temple of Pan. Yep. At the bottom of the mountain. Temple of Pan at, during the festival of there, Pan at this time, festival too. going on at that yeah. time. Yeah, when he's there and says this stuff and the beacon of the light happens, it's a huge festival. It's the Mardi Gras uh-huh. of festivals. Yes. I was listening to a podcast about this. Yeah, where the women stood along the road and they the virgin. bared their their thighs and the men would slap their thighs mm-hmm. to make them fertile or something like yeah. that. Weird. Yeah, weird stuff. <laughs> and this was a huge thing that they did during Mount Hermon at this specific time when Jesus is there. He's in Mardi Gras. With his disciples and they're sheepishly looking around like, why are we here? Right, yeah. Cultural context. Yeah. Pretty fa- fascinating. Anyways, yes. yeah. Okay, so spiritual geography. That's This is the next section. So the event I'm talking about when Jesus and the disciples traveled northeast of Galilee into Gentile territory to the foot of Mount Hermon, where the Temple of Pan was built over the gates of Hades. This is where Jesus asked his disciples to define who he is. Peter gets it. He realizes that Jesus is not only the human Messiah, but in fact, God incarnate. This is a major revelation But I want to focus on what Jesus says to Peter next. Right after Peter declares Jesus' deity, the Lord replies to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 16, 17. Okay. Why does Jesus call Peter Simon Barjona, which means Simon, son of Jonah? Peter's Hebrew name is Simon, but he is not the son of Jonah. His father's name in Greek is John, or in Hebrew it would be Johanan, like our son, your brother, Johanan. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that in John chapter 142, John chapter 21, verses 15 and 17, if you want to look that up. I think Jesus calls him Simon Barjona on purpose. Jesus is making a hyperlink between two events, the journey of Jonah into the heart of the sea 900 years earlier and the event occurring right as Peter stands there before the gates of Hades at the foot of Mount Hermon. As I pointed out, Jesus has them standing before the temple of Pan. Listen how the first century Jewish historian Josephus describes this place. And remember, this is going to be old language, Tim, and if you can handle this paragraph. Is it the small? The small paragraph. Yep. And when Caesar further bestowed upon him another additional country, he built there also a temple of white marble, hard as fountains of, hard by the fountain, hard by the fountains of Jordan. The place is called Panion? Panion. Panion? Where is a top of a mountain that is raised to an immense height and at its side beneath or at its bottom a dark cave opens itself within which there is a horrible precipice that descends abruptly into a vast depth. It contains a mighty quantity of water which is immovable 
And when any body lets down anything to measure the depth of the earth beneath the water, water, no length of cord is sufficient to reach. Now the fountains of Jordan rise at the roots of this cavity outwardly, and as some think, this is the utmost origin of the Jordan. Okay. So, so when was this? So Josephus is is uh, pointing out what the, what is at the uh, Temple of Pan, that inside the temple, they built they built it over this water, this fountain of water, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, it was this wide opening of of water, and they would throw their sacrifice into that water, and it would sink down. But they tried to figure out how to measure deep, it. Have yeah. we measured it recently? Do we know? I I, I wonder know. if there's like... A, I kind of, I think I tried to look that up, but water uh, shafts have shifted and stuff, and I think... Um, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was a little bit different, but mm. um, the ruins are still there. The, the temple is gone, but the ruins are there. You can find it. But but um, they couldn't find the bottom. Mm. And I, I mean, I know we're talking 2,000 years ago, but uh, honestly, they had ropes that were hundreds, hundreds of feet. You know, they could just keep tying, you know, 100 yeah. feet length on there. They just couldn't find the bottom. Yeah. Kept going and kept, kept going. So the pagan world called this the believe that it led down to the gates of Sheol or the grave or wow. hell or whatever you want to call it. It was the start of the Jordan, supposedly. And it's kind of the origin of where the Jordan um, begins to um, seep out of the mountainside. Wow. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like the Jews of their day, the disciples were familiar with the Gentile belief that this deep water abyss plunged from the earth's surface down through the depths and into the gates of the underworld. Surely Peter was startled, or at least curious about Jesus calling him Simon Barjona. So let's go back to the book of Jonah. So remember, this is 900 years earlier. Yep. So transition to Jonah. Yep. Let's go back yeah. to Jonah. In the book of Jonah, we find the renegade prophet has been swallowed by a great fish. Now, being swallowed by the sea or a great fish of the sea would be terrifying. Ancient cultures knew that there were physical and spiritual dangers lurking in the waterways of the earth. Caution was taken when, tra- taken when traversing the marine kingdoms. In Job 26, verse 5, we find that, quote, the dead tremble beneath the waters. In Hebrew, it says that the Raphaim cull in the depths of the waters. So Raphaim means dead spirits or fallen angels, and cull means to writhe or twist. So dead things wreathed under the water. Right. Um, I'm thinking about that scene in Lord of the Rings when they're walking through the swamp and they look down, there's these dead things under the water just uh, trying to pull them in. Right. Yep. Um, Lord of the Rings reference there. Yes, sir. Or when they were at a cave entrance and this thing came out and snatched, started snatching up the hobbits. Oh, they're yeah. trying to get through this gate. The big octopus thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and this is the realm that Jonah is assigned to for his disobedience to the word of the Lord. Lost at sea, imprisoned, imprisoned in the stomach of a great sea monster. In Jonah chapter 2, we get the prophet's desperate prayer. It's a mixture of grief and prophetic hope. For three days, Jonah languishes in the belly of the fish, but he also describes the region where the fish took him. Mm. Okay, Jonah 2.6, you want to quote that? To the roots of the mountains I sank. 
The earth beneath bared me forever, but you, Lord, my God, brought me, brought my life up from the pit. Okay. So the roots of the mountains. Wow. Sank down the roots and the earth barred us, actually barred me forever. Okay. Two words catch our attention. Earth, which in Hebrew is Eretz, and bard, which is Beriach. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Beriach in Hebrew. Now, Eretz can mean land or soil, but it often means the underworld or Sheol or the grave. The word Beriach means bars, as in gates of a city, gates of a fortress, gates of a prison. So, in effect, the fish is a tomb wherein Jonah is plunged down to the prison gates of Sheol as a live human. This tomb also becomes a house of prayer, where the prophet cries out to God for deliverance. This brings more depth to the future event of Jesus' resurrection from the depths of Sheol on the third day. Like Jonah, Jesus also descended into the depths of the underworld after the crucifixion. Unlike Jonah, Jesus resurrected himself through his own power. Mm. So now I'm going to... Do you want to ask questions at yeah, the end? Yeah, so... Well, do you want, or do you want me to keep going? I mean, I guess one of the questions I mean, I'm hearing from this is it okay. sounds like... I mean, it was a sea monster, but also it could have been like he... sounds like he died, came back to life. Oh, that's the next section. Good. Okay. All right. Possibly. Possibly. Okay, so let me do that. Let me read this section and then yeah. maybe ask questions. Because I want... I think your questions are... Go for it. Yeah. They're good questions. Okay, so competing views on the descent of Jonah. So these are... Comp- Repeating views, there's probably more that I don't cover because I don't know everything. And I'm not claiming any of these views. I'm just telling you what they are. So Yeah, you're just giving us bullet points. Here's this view, here's that. Okay. Okay. It is here that I need to interject some related ideas. There are a few competing views that I am aware of. Most common is that Jonah is swallowed by a large fish. This is what we're all told. He's swallowed by a large fish. After three days, he's spewed out on dry land near Nineveh. And then he goes on, right? That's kind of what we've all, that's how I grew up View tra- one. being trained. Yep. Not, well, I didn't grow up in the church. Story, but, yeah. The story, the Bible story, Sunday school. Yeah, he, he swallowed and by big a big whale. fish, big a big, whale. they say whale, which is not in the text. And then, and then he spit up and then he goes preach. Well, to the probably a sperm whale, even though sperm whales weren't in the Mediterranean, but no, but Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but some argue that Jonah is swallowed by Leviathan, okay. the sea monster. Leviathan, Leviathan is a chaos monster, okay? Okay. And that Jonah dies inside the monster, which is a serpent-like fish, you know, the Leviathan, and then his corpse is taken to Sheol. From Sheol, his disembodied spirit cries out to God. God delivers him out of Sheol, and the sea monster takes him back to the land of the living and vomits his resurrected body back onto earth. So that's that's a view that people get, and they they can defend it biblically, you know. Wow. Okay. Um, others speculate that Jonah did not die; however, he is taken by Leviathan, not just a fish, but by Leviathan through a portal to the underworld. After his plea to God, he is returned to the land in order to complete his original mission. Any way you look at it, the analogy of descending into and ascending out of Sheol works as it applies to Jesus. He was executed, he descended into Sheol, 
and after three days he was resurrected out of it. This was the sign of Jonah that Jesus warned about that would haunt the Jews and the religious elites. More on that later. Many, uh, this, is, this is a good statement here. I made this up myself. <laughs> Many Gentiles came to believe in the sign that Jesus said, the sign of Jonah. Many Jews rejected it. Hmm. So Back uh, 900 years during the time of Jonah. No, I'm talking about when Jesus, during Today his... Okay. Yeah, he, he, yeah. The Jews kept telling him, "Give us a sign, give us a sign." And he goes, "I'll give you a sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of the Jonah. Hmm. That's it. Well, that's where we're." And he's at. relating back to Jonah wow. going to the underworld and being resurrected. And the religious elites, the leaders, rejected him, had him killed. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That okay. was the sign that. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. And, and by the way, this isn't written in the in here. You'll see a shift in Matthew. Jesus is is teaching, 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 and then when the uh, the religious leaders keep saying, "I want a sign from you to prove that you're the Messiah," and he says, "I'm only going to give you the sign of Jonah," he starts teaching in parables that are hidden. Oh. He stops teaching outright. And he, start, and he switches over to parables, and everybody's scratching their head, going, "I don't, I don't get it." And only the, and people are frustrated. And the only people that get it are the people. Well, even the disciples don't get his his teaching sometimes, but they keep coming to him and asking him, yeah, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" Yep. So he, Jesus, actually starts to distance himself from people. He pushed in a way. He doesn't. He wants people to come to him, but. But because they're so embittered in their hearts, he's like, you're going to have to seek after me. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to spoon feed you anymore. Yeah. At least that's how I see it. There's a shift in the middle of Matthew. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> after the after he says, that's, this is the only thing I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Uh, flips the script. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Let me get back to Peter and the disciples standing with Jesus before the temple of Pan. I think Jesus was revealing that the deep water shaft at the Temple of Pan was connected to the gates of the deep talked about by Jonah. That Peter was standing at the surface entrance of a portal which connected clear down to the gates of the sea where Jonah was taken nine centuries earlier. If there is no geographical connection, certainly there is at least an interrelationship between spiritual realities entangled with both the gates of Hades and the gates of the sea. Jesus had not taken the disciples on a middle school field trip. He took them to the gates of hell and stood there, revealing his nature as the second person of the Trinity. A few days later, he would stand in front of another enemy portal on top of Mount Hermon and would be transfigured into glory. And not long after these events, he would enter Sheol and plunder the realms of the underworld. The spoils of the war that he won... The, the spoils of the war that he won was the souls of the righteous dead. And by the way, in Revelation 1.18, Jesus proclaims that he holds the keys of death and Hades, meaning that he has authority over death. I've always heard in church that Jesus wrestled those keys away from Satan when he descended into, into Sheol. Honestly, I suspect that Jesus always had that authority. That's why he had the power to lay down his life and take it up again at his own bidding. 
Satan never had those keys to begin with. Mm. Sort of giving away too much credit to Satan in the church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, I'm not offended if people say that he went and wrestled the keys away, but I'm, I'm wondering because in revelation he says, I hold them. It's, he doesn't say I lost them. Right. And then had to go to hell and wrestle them away from Satan. That's, I don't, it's not in scripture, but that's what I've always been told. And yeah. It's not a, it's not a, something to be offended about, but I'm like, right. Yeah, I guess. I get offended easily. So, okay. So I just threw a lot at you. Do you want, do you want to questions now or do you want me to keep going? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we I had a lot of threads already and there's yeah. a couple more coming well, out. Well, we, we kind of picked away at this a little bit. You know, you're saying that this isn't literally the exact spot that Joan was taken physically, probably. Right, he was in but the sea. It, it was more of like a, a spiritual. I mean, you don't know where. Who knows where things enter the spiritual world and don't? Yeah, you know. So that's it. Might be. Like we were talking earlier about um, idols and how mm-hmm. uh, people would use idols to connect with gods, mm-hmm. lower G gods, lower G gods. Yep. And um, you know, you could have an idol in this town and in that town and that town, mm-hmm. and then they would connect here and communicate, connect here and communicate, connect here and communicate. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably similar. Like there are probably entrances and exits throughout this world in different locations. Yeah. You know, I've heard that right. before. That's not a new thing in my world, probably a new thing in some people's worlds, but yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's good because I, I, when I was, you know, you know, when I like start studying these things, I'll look, I'll think I'm on, think about them for weeks on end. You know, it's a good way to go to sleep. It's like, Oh, think about this and think about this and think, um, uh, for me, it's a good way to go to sleep. But um, what if that, po- I, you know, I don't know, but what if that portal at uh, Caesarea Philippi was so deep that it connected <laughs> to the ocean hmm. out somewhere else? And yeah. that's where, you know, I don't know. I Maybe. mean, that's a, that's a, it's possible. I wouldn't argue that, but yeah. <laughs> well, the Leviathan weird. stuff's pretty interesting too, to think about those three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen those old pictures where it's like a, there's a sea dragon coming out and trying to wrapping up the ships, you yeah. know. That's kind of that Leviathan-esque picture. Mm-hmm. makes me think of the dragons in different cultures, that serpent-esque, yeah. which would be probably something like a, a watcher, possibly. Yeah. Right? Probably something like that. Um, yeah. it's I'm not that really order, th- maybe. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I've not really ever thought about Jonah. I mean, I've only ever thought about Jonah being swallowed by a whale. You know, I've not ever heard about these other two. So it's really interesting to think, oh, she, yeah. he died or he did get swallowed and got brought to. Just really interesting to think about yeah. that stuff. Yeah, Leviathan and Behemoth are not a hippo and an alligator. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. They're, these are entities. The ancient world knew that they were, whether they were physical or or, or, or maybe they were spiritual and they could inhabit a physical thing. I don't mm-hmm. know, but they were. They well, were, Leviathan's talked in yeah. Job too. Right? Yes, both yeah. Leviathan and Behemoth, yes. And um, what's the context in Job? I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot. Um, something about... When God, at the end of Job, uh, is visiting Job, and, you know, because, yeah, Job Job has been complaining about God, which I understand, Job had a hard, hard time, but, you know, God starts asking him, were you there when I did this? When you Were you there when the angels sang when I created things? You know, mm-hmm. were you there when, can you, uh, can you, p- 
pick up Leviathan by the scruff of its neck. Or I, that's I'm that's paraphrasing, kind of a, but it's that idea that you know because Leviathan and Behemoth were such terrifying creatures to them that he was, and they were they weren't mythical; they were real, real to them. To them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so for yeah. it is kind of like I I can, I can yeah I can tweak the, you know I can I can swat them like a fly is what God is saying they're ants yeah. to me yeah I see what you're saying yeah um yeah that's really fascinating to to think about that some of that stuff yeah I had something about the Leviathan but now it's gone so yeah very very interesting I wonder if it was I mean, we don't know but it's kind of fun to think that the worldview that I've had for a while. There's there's always new things to start thinking about mm-hmm. and kind of crack into okay yeah and you were and I know we got to get back to this but you were asking me earlier and I didn't get to finish what I was telling you is when did we stop believing that these entities were real and started believing that they were just like made up stories from yeah. ancient people this is not on the podcast this, this is, is not on the yeah we were uh, having this discussion we were talking earlier when you were trying to put the baby to sleep uh, yeah I. And I don't, I'm going to shoot from the hip here, I don't know, but I suspect in the 18th and 19th centuries when uh, German theologians really moved away from biblical, they kind of believed that they were the evolution of greatness, these theologians. And they picked apart the Bible and picked out the supernatural stuff and came up with a bunch of theories that are very... um, liberal, intellectual, and kind of against the Bible, I would say, Hmm. and uh, philosophical and stuff. And so very rational, very anti-supernatural. And so I think that has flowed over, even even though we come from a conservative Christian background, it's been de-supernaturalized. Have you heard of the Thomas Jefferson Bible? Yeah, where he cut out the things he didn't like. Yeah, it was 86 pages total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was anything spiritual. Anything yeah. he didn't like. Yeah. Was, yes. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah. I, I wonder if it was in that same same vein of things. You know? Yeah. Very rational. Very rational. Yeah, let's, this is this is legit. And everything else, spiritual, we're just not. Yeah, I think a lot of the church looks at, they'll look at, passages they'll go I don't understand this so I'm not going to teach on it or they'll just make it into something really passe and they'll take all the good stuff out of it which is why men and youth are tired of church Hmm. which you know my passion is that the Bible's cool the Bible is cool so okay okay cool Jonah's prayer Peter's proclamation so I'm going to tie a bunch of things together I know I'm Got a lot of threads out there. Uh, Another connection between Jonah and Peter is the manner and wording that both of them make in their confession of faith. While in the gates of the deep, Jonah's plea turns into a prophetic thanksgiving. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to you, the Lord. Okay, that's Jonah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Yep. So he's praying this in the belly of the Leviathan. <laughs> uh, he's saying, I will sacrifice you. That's interesting. He's he's prophesying his resurrection in a way. Okay. So look at the verse. It says, salvation belongs to or salvation comes from the Lord. But read it in Hebrew. Yeshua, which means salvation, 
Ta Yahweh, which is the name of God. Do you hear it? Yeshua Ta Yahweh. Salvation is of the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Because the word Yeshua is salvation and it's also Jesus. That's wow. his name. In Hebrew. So that's what it says. Yeshua Jesus Ta. is Lord. <laughs> okay, so now strict linguists, uh, strict linguistic scholars may chide me, but it sounds a lot like Jesus is Lord to me. Jonah is unaware that the ninth, that nine centuries later, Yeshua, or Jesus, would be the name of his Savior. Wow. Now, I must point out that the word salvation in, in this uh, sentence is a common noun. It's not a proper noun like, like the word Yahweh. So I wouldn't push that too much in just this sentence. But it is interesting that this phrase, Yeshua is Yahweh, is laced throughout the Old Testament, especially the Psalms. This phrase echoes in the words of Peter standing before the gates of Hades. Remember, let's get back to Peter. He's standing there with Jesus. And what does Peter proclaim? I'm going to read that. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. Okay. So he's saying, you are Lord. Mm -hmm. Peter has realized that Jesus is not just an earthly Messiah, but he is in fact God incarnate. This actually echoes Jonah's proclamation that salvation, Yeshua, is from the Lord. Peter is saying the same thing. Peter has moved from being merely a citizen of Israel into being a citizen of the kingdom of God. He got there by realizing that Yeshua is God. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Hefty. Yeah. yeah that's fascinating. I think it's okay. weird because we're reading it in English. Yeah. You read it in English, it's... We're missing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you're like, oh, Yeshua is Yahweh. (laughs) Yeah, Yeshua ta Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus is God. Or salvation. Jesus is, or salvation is from God, you know, but Yeshua is from God. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Pretty cool. Goosebumps. (laughs) Okay. Next. Keep going. We're good, yep. Types and attitude. You know what a type is? A type is... A model of something that is echoed later. Okay. Okay. It's like the mold, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like the mold, mold and it makes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So type is the first thing, and then anti type is the thing that re- represents it. Type, oh, okay. anti type. Okay. Not, an, not against, but type is the thing. The anti type is a representation or so, a fulfillment of the so thing. So let's, let me throw an example at you. Okay. Tell me for iPhone 1, iPhone 13 iPhone 1 is the type. type. iPhone 13 is the anti-type of. Yeah. It's the third, 13th iteration of. Yes. Right? I think, I think that, that works. Good? I think okay. that works. Yeah. Right. I'm, I yep. think I'm tracking with you. Yep. Or cell phone, iPhone. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a bit. I don't know. That you might started be. out with a cell phone, a brick, one of those big briefcase ones that you had in the 80s that you know was a suitcase. Mm-hmm. And then you have the anti-type, which is cell right. phone. But it's the several several iterations of it. Yes, maybe. Or let's do a biblical. Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac on okay. Mount Moriah, which later will be where the crucifixion site is, hmm. and he doesn't do it because God provides a lamb or a ram, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. So that's the type. Um, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. And then later, God sacrifices His only Son for our salvation. Mm. It's a, 
it's the fulfillment of the first thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Type and a type. Okay. There are more connections. Concerning the prophet Jonah, Jesus rebuked the rejection and unbelief of the religious leaders twice in Matthew 12, 40 and Matthew 16, 4. I was talking about that earlier. They were demanding that Jesus prove he was the Messiah with a miraculous sign. He said that the only sign they would get is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, so he also would spend three days in the heart of the earth in Sheol. That was Jesus' answer to them. Jonah's trip to the gates of Sheol was a prototype, you know, the begin, mm-hmm. the first thing, was a prototype of things to come. But Jonah ended up there because of disobedience. Hmm. Jesus, however, however, fulfilled that event going to Sheol without flaw and in obedience to the will of God. Jesus descended to Sheol unstained by sin and death could not hold him there. He broke out victoriously. So, we must remember here that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the type of Jonah. Peter, on the other hand, is not Jonah, but rather the son of Jonah. Peter is connected to the story of Jonah in, a, in different ways. But Peter is not the New Testament fulfillment of the book of Jonah. Jesus is. Okay, so I'm introducing an idea of Peter, but, but Jesus is the fulfillment of the right. type Jonah did this, but then Jesus does it perfectly. Yeah, he does it perfectly, yeah. He didn't disobey. He went to the grave out of obedience. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so now let's, now let's look at Peter. Peter relates more commonly to the human weakness of Jonah, struggling with bringing the message of salvation to the Gentiles. Granted, Peter does well in the event of Cornelius, but he struggles later on in associating with Gentiles in Antioch. Uh, what who what's the event of Cornelius? Okay, that's 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 a good point because I because I know the stuff, but um, what let, let let me tell you what the problem with Jonah is even. Okay, yeah, that's that well, that might be good too. I'm thank 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 you for asking that question. So the weakness that Jonah had is he was commanded by God to go preach to the city of Nineveh, Mm -hmm. which was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrians were radically evil. They skinned alive their enemies. They're the ones in 300, right, that killed the Greek 300. That might be. I I haven't seen that movie, but it might be. um, I'll Google it. Keep going. They they were like the Nazis of their day. So Jonah did not want to go preach to Nineveh. He could care less basically if they died and went to hell because they deserved it in his mind. And I I would understand him, right? But he is sent to the Gentiles to preach to them, right? And he really struggled with that. Peter was also sent to uh, Cornelius, who was a Roman. So 900 years later, Rome is in charge. Cornelius is a Roman they're Persians, so they're not uh, Assyrians. Sorry, 300 was, was Persians. Persians, okay. Not Assyrians. So, so Peter uh, is sent to speak the uh, the gospel, as a Jew, to speak to the gospel to the, uh, Cornelius, who was, I think he was a Roman, he might have been a Roman... Centurion. Centurion, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, but Peter... Peter does well. He does that first time he goes and preaches the gospel, and they all get saved and speak in tongues, by the way, I think. Oh, wow. If I remember. Okay. Um, but later on, you know, years later, he, he goes to Antioch, which is a, a full of Gentile believers 
And um, at first he's hanging out with them, eating with them and stuff. And then when other Jewish people arrive, they're Christians, but they're Jewish Torah law-observant Jews that have become Christians, and they have real strict laws and stuff. They're still in that. And Peter's like, "Uh, I can't hang out with these Gentile Christians anymore. I got to eat at a separate table. I got to wash my hands a certain way or whatever. So he Some of that religion on him. Yep. Yep. And Paul rebukes him publicly in front of everybody. So, so Peter also struggles like Jonah. Is that, that's the connection. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Peter, okay. In the first story in Acts 10, Peter is staying at Joppa, the same port city that Jonah ran to in order to avoid God's command. Peter is summoned to take, go and take the gospel to Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Like Jonah, Peter is to go to the Gentiles. Peter went in obedience, but it's an interesting reversal. Jonah ran to Joppa. Hmm and away from God's command, whereas Peter leaves Joppa, where he had the vision, and he he obeys God's command. But later on Peter's ministry, he doesn't do so well. Peter visits the Gentile believers in Antioch and enjoys their fellowship. But as Jewish believers arrive, especially the Torah-observant believers, Peter separates himself from unclean Gentile believers. Paul has to publicly reprimand Peter for treating Gentile Christians as inferior to yeah. Jewish Christians. Okay, now your now your question. Now we're in there. No, uh, yeah, that's really interesting to think about that stuff. Like, um, kind of cool to see that they're both at Joppa too. What my my thought yeah. was going back to uh, Jonah going in the belly of the whale and being almost like a t- uh, uh, type for Jesus coming. Going, going to Sheol. Sheol. Mm-hmm. You know, Jonah does it out of disobedience. But yep. Do you think that that was going to happen as part of the story no matter what? Because it will, you know what I mean? It, it is, do you think if Jonah would have been obedient and just went to Nineveh and preached the gospel, that there still would have been him in the whale? The whale? Do you think that story had uh, to happen? You see what I'm saying? I know, because yeah. my whole life it's like the whole story of Jonah is do what God tells you to do or you'll get swallowed by a whale. That's uh-huh. that's the uh-huh. that's the driving factor of that uh-huh. story when I've been taught it. Yep. And I wonder if no matter what Jonah would have done, that whale had to happen. Sorry, I keep saying whale. That that's great, okay. great fish. You could say whale, I won't be a man. Yeah. But specifically sperm whale. <laughs> um no, but that that great fish, I wonder mm-hmm. if that is crucial. That's a great question. So if Jonah would have obeyed God and not gone to sea and been thrown out into the sea and then swallowed by the great fish, been the archetype, he wouldn't have been the type for the, for right. Right. And here is the complexity of God. (laughs) Our free will inside of the sea of God's sovereignty, if that makes sense, because he's, how I view God, I'm I'm not a reform. I love my reform brothers, but I'm and I'm not an Arminian, but I I think that God because wait, wait. He, are Arminians the ones that the three hundred fought against? Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> the Arminian uh, Persians. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> so okay, I had to go I, for it. I wonder if uh, I can't speak for reform people, but they would. They would probably see that God sovereignly made Jonah rebel so that 
he could become uh, the model for Jesus later. I don't know if that's how a reformed person would look at it, but I'm, um, what I'm saying is that Jonah perfectly had free will to do what, to either to obey God or not. He, he had that free will and yet God, because he is not stuck in time like we are, knew the event would turn out the way it did without being the one who made it turn out that way. I don't think God made Jonah rebel. I don't think God made Jonah disobey so that he'd be thrown in the sea, so that he'd be swallowed. Yeah. So I don't see it that way. But he may. I wonder if he did obey, he would still get swallowed some other way to be the, you know what I mean? I wonder yeah, if yeah, who knows? It was just that, that popped yeah. in my head when you're talking about it. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Who knows? That is the problem. Once we, Monday, once we fell, once we, in the Garden of Eden, I, I suspect that, I know this is another thing, it's not even written down here, but I suspect that we understand, Adam and Eve understood multiple dimensions and trafficked in those traffic is a bad word these days, but I don't mean it that way, but they, you know, they had the ability to, to cross over here, cross over there. Do I don't know. They, yeah, they weren't, I think when Adam and Eve fell, they were limited to four dimensions, height, width, depth, and time. Hmm. And I think before that they possibly weren't, I don't know. It's just a theory. So, uh, How does that tie into the thing you were, we were just talking about? <laughs> oh, because God, uh, yeah, because God. Um, Finish your thought. You got yeah, this. God. You got this. God is not inside of time like we are, so yeah. we we really don't understand. Yeah, yeah. We're how all that like threads this, together? And it's probably way more a tetra yeah. gram or whatever the things. Yeah, the dimensions that we're outside of things that we don't even understand. Yeah, I mean, we see reality in as a these constant moments that are. I remember what we did an hour ago, but it's gone, Mm -hmm. and I can only. I know a little bit later you're gonna give me a ride home. I know the future is coming. I I don't know exactly how it's gonna be, but I only know the moment that we're in. So I'm. But if you can imagine God knowing all of eternity past and eternity future. I can't think about that. Yeah. It's cool. Let's get so, to the conclusion. Yeah. You're bring, you're busting my brain right here. I can't wait. Thank okay. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, okay. So that's, let me try to sum up all these cool. strands of sum it up. Sum it up. Okay. There's three, three things here. One, there is a spiritual dimensional geographical connection between the gates of Hades, the gates of the deep and Mount Hermon. Two, there's a relationship between Jonah's trip to the heart of the sea and Jesus' trip to Sheol. Jonah foreshadows Jesus' journey into Sheol, but Jesus fulfills it without any character flaws. Three, Jonah in the first chapter of his book and Peter in Acts 10 are called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, but both Jonah and and Peter struggle in grasping how Gentiles can be part of God's kingdom. When Jesus calls Peter the son of Jonah, he is both alerting him and encouraging him at the same time. It would be encouraging for Peter to know that he was going to participate in great things like the prophet Jonah. 
Jonah led the entire power center of Assyria, the city of Nineveh, into repentance. But Jesus was also warning Peter that he too must wrestle with the same issues as Jonah. God had different plans for the Gentiles than either Peter or Jonah could ever imagine. And both both Jews called to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. I really also like the idea of um, Jonah's, that book, not being about uh, disobedience and God's punishing you, but more of like, this is a reflection of what God is coming to do. But, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that does, yeah, because that's yeah. how I was always trained. Yeah, it's, it's about it a little bit. Yeah, this is it's much. Yeah, and it ties deeper. into way more things than just. I mean, the simple Bible story. You know, what's that felt thing that they have at Sunday school? Pan- oh, the flannel graph. Flannel, Fla- gra- flannel graph. Flannel graph. <laughs> it, that simple flannel graph view of things. There is truth in that, mm-hmm. but that's not. That's like the level one, and we're at level, you know, 400 or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Cool. cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, let's, let's wrap this up, man. Okay. It's cool. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you ha- if you want to get notes, timminspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll do another one of these. What other things? Probably, possibly doing a, a parenting, raising your children. Yeah, I was studying... Um kind of along those lines, what the triumphal entry, what Jesus did in Sheol, I think it's a bigger subject than maybe I'm ready. Like I've, du- I've dug on it and yeah. actually started writing on it. But I think it's above my pay grade right now. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll toy with it. And then I also was toying with why... Um, the other thing I started studying is uh, why do they break the, a heifer's neck when there's an unsolved murder? Hmm. And there's some really interesting things about it, but... But my attention got turned away to the parenting classes because I, I, eight eight separate lessons is a lot to throw, yeah, to throw digest down, and so, yeah, so uh, yeah, and again, well, I guess we can talk about if we'll record them or not, but um, how we do them, yeah, um, they will be, yeah, be I, I I want people to to really. I love uh, parenting all phases of, you know, all phases of your children. They're, they're to- you know, they're toddlers and then they're teens and then they're in their 20s. And I've enjoyed every phase, despite everybody that told me that teens are from hell. Yeah. People in yeah. church tell me or that. I'm like, no, I don't believe that. They're not. Yeah. So, so I want to pass that on to people if I can. But I also yeah. want to be careful. I think... I don't know. I don't know if I want to make public everything I talk about. So yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, you gotta be covered. Well, it's a fun, fun dance to to dance on. Yeah, fun line to tip yeah. tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah, you know what I mean. So right. Well, interesting. Cool. Well, um, guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next dadcast. Cool. Peace. Peace out.
Sean among the weak. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own. Of the troglodyte, soon among the wheat. Of the troglodyte, soon among the wheat.